السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخيمه قلبي everybody say salat on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in your heart بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كتاب التهجد The book of the Tahajjud prayer. What is a Tahajjud? The word Tahajjud is from the word Hujud, which means a gnome, meaning sleep. And it is said that Hajjidtu meaning Nimtu, I slept. And Tahajjud is to stay up in the night, meaning to wake up after one sleeps. So, At-Tabari, he says that At-Tahajjud is As-Sahar Ba'da Nawmah. It is As-Sahar. What does Sahar mean? To stay awake. When? Ba'da, after Nawmah, a little sleep. So, Tahajjud is to wake up after having slept. And after having slept, not for the entire night, but for when? a part of the night. So for example, a person would sleep for a short time in the night, then they would wake up. This waking up would be called, what would it be called? Tahajjud. This is the literal meaning of the word tahajjud. And of course, the term tahajjud in our religion applies to praying in the night time. But praying in the night when? Meaning a person sleeps first at night, then he wakes up, By cutting off their sleep, they wake up and then they pray in the night. This is At-Tahajjud. So what do we learn in Bab of Tahajjud, in Kitab At-Tahajjud? The first Bab is, the first chapter, chapter heading, At-Tahajjudi Bil-Layl. That Tahajjud is in the night. Meaning the time of Tahajjud prayer is supposed to be when? When are you supposed to perform Tahajjud prayers? Sometime during the day? No, in the night. وَقَوْلِهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ And his statement, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the exalted, has said that وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكَ And in the night, part of the night, during the night, فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ Then perform tahajjud in it. Why? نَافِلَةً لَكَ As a nafil for you. This verse, part of the verse, what does it mean? Firstly, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ During the night. Min means some of, part of. Which means that the hajjud is not to be performed all night long. No. It is to be performed for only a portion of the night. This is a very important rule. Because sometimes people think that if they pray all night long, then they're doing something good. And if they pray only for a part of the night, let's say half an hour or one hour or 15 minutes, they think it's not good enough. No, it is good. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered min layli Not all night long, but some part of the night. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he criticized the people who said that they would pray all night long. We learned that once some people, they went to 
the family of the Prophet ﷺ, and they asked them about the Prophet ﷺ's habits. When he would pray in the night, how much he would pray in the night, how frequently he would fast, and such habits. And then when they found out that the Prophet ﷺ would sleep some of the night, and he would pray some of the night, they said that we will pray all night long. We will not sleep. So the Prophet ﷺ actually got up on the mimbar, just like he would on Friday. He got up on the mimbar, assembled the people, and he addressed them. And he criticized those people who said that they would stay up all night long. Because there is no asceticism in our religion. What is that? Being an ascetic? That you completely abandon worldly comforts or your physical needs. You completely neglect them in the name of being religious or spiritual. No. Our religion is a moderate, practical, realistic religion in which your worldly life and your spiritual life are to go together hand in hand. You're supposed to be a worshiper of Allah, a servant to Allah when you're in the mosque and also when you're outside of the mosque. When you're in the holy land and also in other parts of the world. So in order to do that, you have to practice the religion in a realistic way. It doesn't mean that you completely abandon the practice. No, that's going off to another extreme. What is balanced, what is moderate, is what we see in the way of the Prophet ﷺ. So what did he do? He would sleep part of the night, and he would pray part of the night. So, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ This is the command of Allah that performed tahajjud in the night. How? Why? نَافِلَةً لَك نَافِلَةً You have heard this term many times now. We have been using this term in the study of the previous chapter also. What does nafila mean? That which is voluntary. Right? Not obligatory, but what is? Voluntary. So nafilata lak. What does laka mean? For you. And who does you refer to? Because see, ka, this is singular. Who is this referring to? The Prophet wasallam. So nafilata lak. This is interpreted in two ways. The first interpretation is that this tahajjud prayer is voluntary only for you. Only for you, meaning for the Prophet ﷺ. What does it mean by that? Meaning, for others, for the believers, the tahajjud prayer is an expiation of their sins. You understand? So it's as if we are in need of tahajjud prayers, even though it's not mandatory, but we still need to perform it. Why? So that we would be forgiven. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ, what was his condition? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that he has forgiven the messenger. Right? لِيَغْفِرَ لَكَ اللَّهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ زَنْبِكَ وَمَا تَأَخَرَ All of his sins were forgiven. So technically... Did he really need to perform the night prayer? If you think about it. I mean, for us, we desperately need it. Why? So that our sins are forgiven. Isn't it? In the month of Ramadan, what do we learn? Whoever prays in the night in the month of Ramadan, what will happen? All of his sins will be forgiven. So we need to perform the night prayer for our forgiveness. But did the Prophet ﷺ need to perform that? No. Why? Because all of his sins were forgiven. Right? So when he would perform the night prayer, then it would truly be voluntary in his case. 
it would truly be nafila for him. An extra good deed for him. And this is the reason why we see that when the Prophet ﷺ would pray in the night and sometimes his feet would swell, what would people ask him? We see that Bilal anhu once asked him and another time Aisha anha asked him, that why do you do this when Allah has forgiven all of your sins? And what was his response? Should I not be a grateful servant? So nafilatallak meaning voluntary for you. There's a hadith in At-Tirmidhi in which we learn the Prophet ﷺ said, عَلَيْكُمْ بِقِيَامِ اللَّيْلِ فَإِنَّهُ دَأْبُ الصَّالِحِينَ قَبْلَكُمْ That you must perform the night prayer because it is the practice of the righteous before you. From the beginning, from the time of Adam ﷺ, this has been the way of Allah's righteous servants to pray in the night. And he said, وَهُوَ قُرْبَةٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ And it is a means for you to draw close to your Lord. This is how you draw close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَكْفَرَةٌ لِلسَّيِّئَاتٍ And it is an expiation for sins. Meaning when you perform the night prayer, then what will happen? Your sins will be forgiven. وَمَنْحَاتٌ لِلْإِثْمِ And it is also a barrier against sin. It is something that will protect you, it will shield you from committing sins. So from this hadith we learn that the night prayer is a means of forgiveness. But for the Prophet ﷺ, what was it? Nafilah. A voluntary deed. Because his sins were forgiven. So this is the first interpretation. The second interpretation is that nafilatal laka. Nafila means additional. Because that is what voluntary is, right? That you're not required to do it, you're just doing it voluntarily. So you're doing something extra. So nafilatal laka, meaning additional for you, O Prophet ﷺ. Meaning it is an extra command exclusively for you. What that means is that the Prophet ﷺ was required to pray the night prayer just as we are required to pray the five daily prayers. You understand? He was required to pray. This was not an option for him, but rather it was mandatory on him. But what we see from the two opinions is that the first interpretation is closer because there is proof of that. As we see the Prophet ﷺ, he said that, أَفَلَا أَكُونَ عَبْدًا Shakura, should I not be a grateful slave? So, here Imam Bukhari is bringing an ayah to prove the importance of the night prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us in the Quran that we must perform the night prayer. And He has given that command by giving it to who first? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now the hadith. حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال حدثنا سفيان قال حدثنا سليمان بن أبي مسلم عن طاووس سمع ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما ابن عباس رضي الله عنه he narrated قال he said that كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان he used to meaning the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he would used to this was his habit that إذا قام من الليل that when he would stand in the night, yet in order to perform the tahajjud prayer, 
قَالَ He would say, meaning in his qiyam, in his standing position, he would say, اللَّهُمَّ لَكَ الْحَمْدُ O Allah, for you is all praise. أَنْتَ قَيِّمُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ You are the qayyim of the heavens and the earth and whoever that is in them. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And for you is all praise. لَكَ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ For you, meaning yours, is the kingdom, the ownership of the heavens and the earth and whoever that is in them. Meaning everything belongs to you. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And for you is all praise. أَنْتَ نُورُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ You are the light of the heavens and the earth. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And for you is all praise. أَنْتَ الْحَقِّ You are true. وَوَعْدُكَ الْحَقِّ And your promise is true. وَلِقَاءُكَ حَقِّ And your meeting is true. وَقَوْلُكَ حَقِّ And your word is true. وَالْجَنَّةُ حَقِّ And paradise is true. وَالنَّارُ حَقِّ And the fire is true. وَالنَّبِيُّونَ حَقِّ And the prophets are true. وَمُحَمَّدٌ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ حَقِّ And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is true. وَالسَّاعَةُ حَقِّ And the hour is true. Allahumma laka aslamtu. O Allah, to you I surrender. Wabika amantu. And in you I believe. Wa'alayka tawakkaltu. And upon you I trust. Wa'ilayka anabtu. And to you I return. Wabika khasamtu. And through you, with your help, I argue. وَإِلَيْكَ حَاكَمْتُ And to you I go for judgment. فَاغْفِرْ لِي مَا قَدَّمْتُ وَمَا أَخَّرْتُ So forgive me for whatever I have done and whatever I have delayed. وَمَا أَسْرَرْتُ وَمَا أَعْلَنْتُ Whatever I have done secretly and whatever I have exposed. أَنْتَ الْمُقَدِّمُ وَأَنْتَ الْمُؤَخِرُ You are the muqaddim, the one who brings forward. وَأَنْتَ الْمُؤَخِرُ And you are the one who causes delay. La ilaha illa anta, there is no God except you, aw, or la ilaha ghayruk, there is no God other than you. Qala Sufyan, Sufyan said, Wazada Abdul Karimi Abu Umayya, and Abdul Karim Abu Umayya, in his narration, he also increased, wala hawla wala quwwata illa billah. In his narration, the dua ends with what statement? That there is no power and might except with Allah. Qala Sufyan, قال سليمان بن أبي مسلم سمعه من طاووس عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. So this is another narration that Imam Bukhari mentions at the end. Multiple narrations in one hadith. And this shows the authenticity of the hadith that it has been narrated in various chains. Now, what do we see in this hadith? Why is Imam Bukhari bringing this hadith over here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands... وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ In the night, perform the tahajjud prayer. Ibn Abbas narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would get up in the night to perform tahajjud, this is what he would say. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ, what was his habit? What was his habit? He would perform the tahajjud prayer. Allah commanded, the Prophet ﷺ obeyed. إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Ibrahim salam was told, surrender, and he said, I have surrendered. Allah has commanded, I will do it. I will do it. They didn't say, سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا 
Some people, they said, we have heard, yeah, but we're not going to do it. Yeah, I know, but I'm not going to do it. No. وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا What is the response of the believer? We have heard and we have obeyed. We will do this. And yes, it seems difficult. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I struggle with fajr. How am I going to wake up for tahajjud? Hmm? But it begins with what? It begins with submission. The submission of the heart. That you at least agree that yes, I'm going to do this. Because when you firmly intend to do something, then what happens? What happens? You actually end up doing it. Right? Yes, you plan on doing something, first time it doesn't work out. You try again, okay, it barely works out. You keep trying it, trying it, until finally, you get it done. So, the hajjud is also an action for which you have to intend and strive. It won't happen one night that all of a sudden you'll wake up and you'll be like, hey, I should pray tahajjud. And there you're up every night from that night onwards and you're praying tahajjud. No, it starts with deliberation. You have to deliberately plan and strive and intend to do it. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ How? بِالنِّيَّاتِ Actions are with intentions. Meaning you begin with the intention and then you end up performing that action. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa obeyed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to do this also. Now we see here that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu is narrating this. If you think about it, that the hajjud prayer is a very private prayer in the sense that you don't, I mean, you know, you get up secretly in the night or quietly when people are sleeping, right? And then you perform the night prayer. How did Ibn Abbas find out about the dua that the Prophet ﷺ would say in tahajjud prayer? How did he find out? Any idea? How did he find out? Yes? He would be with him? How? Why? To learn? Okay, how else? Yes? He was living with him? Not necessarily, yes? The Prophet ﷺ would recite it loudly? Okay, yes? Yes, it's possible that he asked the Prophet ﷺ. Allahu alam, maybe. Go ahead. Exactly. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, who is he? He was the son of the Prophet's uncle. What does that mean? He was his cousin, right? And also remember that Ibn Abbas was very young. Okay? So, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he would, we will learn in the following hadith also, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he was also very young. Alright? And he said that he would sleep in the masjid. Even in the night, he would sleep in the masjid. The young companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they would pay a lot of attention to the Prophet's habits, to the Prophet's manner of praying, they weren't such that they would say, oh, because he's so much older than us, we don't know him, right? We don't know what he's doing. No. They would try to be as close to the Prophet ﷺ as possible. 
despite the age difference. They were interested in learning what he would say, when he would wake up, how much he would pray, when he would pray. They were so curious about this. This is what interested them. The actions of the Prophet ﷺ. So because of that, Ibn Abbas anhu he found a means to figure out when the Prophet ﷺ would wake up in the night and what he would say in his tahajjud prayers when he would perform them. And he said that إِذَا قَامَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ When he would stand in the night. Now, qama qiyam, this can refer to the beginning of the salah. So when you say, Allahu Akbar, alright, before you recite Surah Fatiha, what do you say? What do you say? Some dua, dua of istiftah, right? So there's different duas of istiftah. So for example, one is, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khutayaya, right? Another one is, Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, right? There's different du'as. Another is Allahu Akbar kabira walhamdulillahi kathira. Different du'as. So, when he would get up in the night to perform tahajjud, this is what he would say as du'a istiftah. After takbir, Allahu Akbar, this is the du'a that he would say. Alright? Or, he would say this du'a in the other qiyam. Which is which qiyam? on getting up from rukur. Alright? Because that is also standing up. So when he would stand up from rukur, after saying, Samir Allahu liman hamida, Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd, or rabbana lakal hamd, he would say this dua. Okay? So we can also say this dua in tahajjud prayers. When? At which two times? In the place of dua istiftah, or upon getting up from rukur. Alright? What is the meaning of this dua? Let's look at it. Allahumma lakal hamdu, O Allah, for you is all praise. Why? Because anta qayyimus samawati wal ardi wa man fihin. You are the qayyim of the skies and the earth and whoever that is in them. Who is al qayyim? Al qayyim is one who is qayyim himself. And he is also muqeem for others. Meaning, qa'im himself as in one who is self-subsisting. He does not depend on anybody. Rather, he is independent. And that he is also provider and maintainer of everybody else. So he is the qayyim of the heavens and the earth and whoever is in them. Meaning he is independent of all and everyone is dependent on him. Everyone that is in the heavens and the earth is dependent on him. أَنْتَ قَيِّمُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ لَكَ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ For you is all praise because you are the owner of everything of the heavens and the earth and whoever that is in them. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ أَنْتَ نُورُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ You are the nur. What is nur? Light. So you are the light of the heavens and the earth. What does it mean by that? Two meanings. One is that you are their munawwir. Who is munawwir? Provider of light. Giver of light. And what is meant is that you are their guide. Because you can't go about in the darkness, right? You can't figure your way out in the darkness. 
So everyone, everything would be in confusion, in disarray, without Allah's guidance. So you are the nur, meaning you are the guide of everything that is in the heavens and the earth. The second meaning of nur is that you are nur, light, you are perfect, you are above any deficiency or any fault, just like light is perfect. Right? There is no spot of darkness in it. So you are nur of the heavens and the earth, meaning you are free from every fault. Like it is said, to praise somebody, it is said that they are the nurul balad. They are the light of the city. What does it mean? What does it mean? What, what do you think this expression means? They are the light of the city. They are so important in this city. Right? So, Nuru samawati wal ard, meaning the most important one, meaning He is their creator, He is their guide, and He is the one who is perfect. Anta nuru samawati wal ard. Walakal hamd, anta al haq. For you is all praise, for you are al haq. What does al haq mean? True, meaning real. There's no doubt about you. Or in you. Anta al-haq. And then, وَوَعْدُكَ الْحَقْ Your promise is true. Which promise? Which promise? The promise of? Okay, the hereafter, paradise. What else? Every promise that Allah has made is al-haq. Now, do you notice something? Anta al-haq. وَوَعْدُكَ الْحَقْ وَلِقَاؤُكَ حَقٌ Changes, right? Look at the text. Look at the words. أَنْتَ الْحَقُّ وَوَعْدُكَ الْحَقُّ وَلِقَاؤُكَ حَقٌ Do you see any difference here? What is the difference? The first two forms, what do they have? الحق, right? The truth. And then you have حَقٌ Truth. Right? Yes, the meaning is the same in the sense that the truth, truth, it's the same, true. Right? But you see, what is this emphasizing? What is this making clear? That your promise, whatever promise that you have made, is true. There is no doubt about it. Because others also make promises, don't they? But sometimes they're not able to fulfill it or sometimes they break their promise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's promise is certainly true. It will be fulfilled. وَلِقَاؤُكَ حق, Your meeting is true, meaning in the hereafter. And then after liqa is وَقَوْلُكَ حق, Your word is true. Which word? Every word. Whether it is a revealed command or it is the word of kun, Whatever it is, it is haq. Waljannatu haq wa naru haq. Paradise and fire are true. Wanabiyuna haq, the prophets are true. And then to emphasize, wa Muhammadun sallallahu alayhi wa sallam haq. He's mentioned separately. Wasa'atu haq, the hour is true. Meaning, the day of judgment is true. And then, Allahumma laka aslamtu. Oh Allah, to you I surrender. In you I believe. Upon you I trust. To you I return. Bika khasamtu. What does this mean? Bika khasamtu. Literally, with you or through you, khasamtu, I argue. 
or I debate. What does this mean? With you or through you, I debate. Hmm? Yes? Okay, that you have taught me with the proofs that you have given me. With the arguments that you have given me. With the truth that you have revealed. That is what I take. That is what I deliver to people. And when they object, then I respond to them with what? With the strength that you have given, the ability that you have given. وَبِكَ خَاصَمْتُ You know what? If we remember this بِكَ خَاصَمْتُ and we apply this in our lives, we would leave all arguments. And we would only argue and discuss something where it is really necessary. Otherwise what happens is that we develop a habit or a taste for argumentation. And for every little thing, what happens? We end up arguing. Where something could be a normal discussion or a small minor issue could be resolved so easily, what happens over there? Our ego comes in the way and we start arguing and something so small turns into a very serious big issue. Doesn't it? So if we remember that inna salati wa nusuki wa mahiyaya, all my life is for Allah, what does it mean? That even if I'm arguing with somebody, it should be for the sake of Allah. And if it's not for the sake of Allah, let me not argue over there. Let me not do that. Because argument in general is not something that's very positive. Or is it? What happens when you have an argument with somebody? Does it hurt your feelings, their feelings? Does it cause some tension between the two of you? Does it make the situation awkward and weird? Or it doesn't? Does it distract you from your purpose? Does it? It does. So remember this rule for yourself. Bika khasamtu. If I argue, I argue for the sake of Allah. And if it's not for the sake of Allah, let me resign from that argument because that argument will bring no benefit whatsoever. It will only make shaitan happy. You remember the incident where this man came and he was abusing the Prophet wasallam, hmm? And Abu Bakr anhu was standing there witnessing the entire abuse taking place, right? The Prophet ﷺ was not responding. What happened? Abu Bakr ﷺ could not handle it anymore. And he said something. The Prophet ﷺ left from there. He was visibly, clearly upset. And when Abu Bakr ﷺ asked him what happened, he said, Shaitan came. Shaitan came. And when Shaitan has come, I'm not interested in staying there. Because that argument is no longer for the sake of Allah. That discussion is no longer for the sake of Allah. It's for the ego. And when it's for the ego, nothing good is going to come out of it. You know once Ali radiallahu anhu was in the middle of a battle, fighting somebody. And literally, he had pinned down the other person and he was ready to finish him off with the last final blow. And that man spat on Ali radiallahu anhu. Spat on him. As a last defense. That's all he could do. And Ali radiallahu anhu just retreated. And the man's like, what's going on? Like you were about to finish me off. What's going on? He said, before I was doing it for the sake of Allah. Now if I were to hit you, it would be for me. And I can't do that. If I do it for me, that's not okay. You see, what is khasm? 
You're arguing with somebody. How? For example, you're raising your voice. You're attacking them. Right? Their actions or their words or what they have said to you. You're attacking them, isn't it? And it's not okay for us to do that to anybody. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the honor of people sacred, their body sacred, their property sacred. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he asked the people once when he was standing in Makkah, where are we? What day is it? And they said, it's this day, the sacred day, sacred place. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, that Allah has made your lives, your honor, your properties sacred just as this place, this day. It is sacred. You can't just attack somebody's honor. You can't abuse them verbally. You can't use derogatory language. It's not okay. Neither in a text, nor in a verbal form, nor in the form of a note, nor in the form of some dirty looks. We cannot do that. And we must understand this. We have made it so easy for ourselves all the time. We're showing attitude to people, giving them dirty looks, giving those people dirty looks. Saying a harsh word here, a mean word there, hitting somebody there, hurting somebody there. What are we doing? وَبِكَ خَاصَمْتُ Only for Allah. If it's not for Allah, I cannot do it. وَبِكَ خَاصَمْتُ And then in the dua, after that is... So beautiful. وَإِلَيْكَ حَاكَمْتُ And to you I go for judgment. Because what happens sometimes? You argue with someone. You're on the truth. You're telling them the right thing. They're not willing to accept. It's like one thing after the other. So then what do you do? Can you always win an argument even if you're upon the truth? Can you? No. All you can do is just convey. And after that, where the other person is becoming stubborn, what can you do? Start crying over there? Start yelling at them? Leave your work and get distracted by them? Is it? No. وَإِلَيْكَ to. Oh Allah, to you, I come for judgment. You resolve this between me and this person. And when you turn to Allah for the solution of your problems, then the solution will certainly come. وَإِلَيْكَ حَاكَمْتُ فَاغْفِرْ لِي مَا قَدَّمْتُ وَمَا أَخَّرْتُ Forgive me all of my sins, those that I have done and those that I have delayed, that I will do. وَمَا أَسْرَرْتُ وَمَا أَعْلَنْتُ And forgive me for what I have done secretly and what I have done openly. Because you see, some sins, yes, they're open. People find out. Other sins, they are very private. أَنْتَ الْمُقَدِّمُ وَأَنْتَ الْمُؤَخِرُ You are the one who brings things forward, right? Or you defer them. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ There is no God but you. أَوْ لَا إِلَهَ غَيْرُكَ Or there is no God other than you. Or, and then وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ There is no might or power except with Allah. So this is the dua that the Prophet ﷺ would say. In his tahajjud prayer. Anything you would like to add? Yes. Go ahead. Anta malikus samawati wal Okay. This is one version of the dua. 
Okay. And yes, I know as you have said in the translation, you have, you are the king of the heavens and the earth. That The Arabic is not there in here. Perhaps they took the translation from some other place. But there are different versions of this dua. Okay. With similar meaning, just slight, slight difference in the wording. Okay. Any other question? Yes. Or comment? Go ahead. So we can say this in our daily salah as well? You could, but you see the Prophet ﷺ, if he wanted, he could have said this in Zuhur Asr also. Isn't it? He could have, but he didn't. When did he do it? In the night prayer. Right? So what is best for us is to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If he said something in a certain prayer, let's say it then. And if he didn't say it in a certain prayer, then let's not say it there. No harm, it's permissible. But the best is that we follow the sunnah exactly as a sunnah is. What do you think the benefit is in making this dua in the night prayer? Yes. You know, in this uh, dua, first of all, you are appreciating, right? Yes, you're praising you're Allah. You're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then you are telling like... Um, you are having analysis that, you know, he is holding everything, yes. right? And you are, you are, this is your, you know, private salah that you're doing at night. So it's going to have a different impact. Yes. Might be going to cry, it's going to touch your heart, and you will think about your sins, that he is so powerful, he knows you from inside and outside. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a very different impact. Yes. Do you ever wake up in the night worried or sad or crying because of what happened in the day? Yeah, or maybe you can't go to sleep because as you're trying to sleep and you know you're stiff because of your stress, right? All you can think about is the exam that you're not ready for, or the argument that you had with somebody, or the people that you have to meet the next day, or the assignment that is due, or the whatever is that's coming up. At night, when you retire to your bed, what happens? Your worries and your problems they go with you. Isn't it? So when you stand up in the night, you stand before Allah, what are you doing? You are seeking His help. Right? By acknowledging that He is the Qayyim, He is the Nur, He is the Malik. Isn't it? And then reminding yourself that I turn to Allah, I surrender to Him, I depend on Him, and I'm doing this all for Him. So when you do that aren't you going to relax? Then isn't a few hours of sleep even going to be sufficient? It will be. Anything else? Yes. This dua is a very all-rounded dua. Mm -hmm. Like, it's basically with any problem that a person might be having in life, you know, some part of the dua relates to it. Yes. Actually, every day, some part of the dua relates to you in one way or another. Every single day of your life. Because every single day something's going on. Yes. I was just thinking that it's a good way to renew your intentions before the new day starts. So you get some time alone and you sort of reaffirm everything. Like I can do this and you say this is true and this is true and I believe in this. And you sort of start the new day. Exactly. Very true. Yes. Isn't it also because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the closest to you at that time of night? Yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven. Right? So at that time you are praising Him and thanking Him and expressing your trust and your reliance and your dependency on Him. Right? Uh, I was thinking about Wabika Khasamt. 
the story you tell us about Ali radiallahu anhu, he could say, you know, for the sake of Allah, and he can finish him, but he didn't because of the taqwa. Yes. So sometimes we advise people, we say, for the sake of Allah, and we argue so much. It was, it's not for the sake of Allah, for the sake of to make ourselves better. And we have to check our heart. Is it really for the sake of Allah or yes, what we do? Because if it's for the sake of Allah, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to stop arguing. If it's really for the sake of Allah. Because when you do something for the sake of Allah, you do it the way Allah likes it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to do da'wah or to uh, do amr bil ma'roof. To command with ma'roof. And ma'roof cannot be good, cannot be commanded in a bad way. You understand? You command of good in a way that is good. As soon as it turns bad, it's not for the sake of Allah. So you got to stop right there. Don't let the argument get worse. Because it's going to cause unnecessary problems. Unnecessary, really. And then later when you'll think back about what you were arguing over, you're going to laugh at yourself. You would be embarrassed to even tell somebody the whole story. Which is why you will change details or hide some details. It was such a petty issue that you made so big. Right? So, بِكَ خَاصَمْتُ 